Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Thanks, Lara. How quickly they grow. I still remember. (laughs) In fact, I still remember a lot of you being much smaller. But you're all just as good looking, what can I say? Upgrades. Can I just say uh, I have been upgraded to be the third string in the bow? I mean, I just remember being about the 110th string in the bow here. So, uh, you know, to be third is a, is a real treat. Very, very privileged to be back. Just to briefly say, um, for some reason, a lot of people haven't received the summer prayer notes. Uh, they were sent out but not received. So I just brought some bags along with the updated BCA uh, prayer notes and uh, Real Australian magazine and those sorts of things for those who uh, would like to... Um, like to grab one. Well, as we get into God's word, let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for the scriptures that you breathed out for us. Thank you that the Bible is able to make us wise for salvation by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're here as we stand in the front door of yet another year. Please will you so teach correct, rebuke and train us through your word and by your spirit that we might live thankful, wise and worthy lives for the sake of the lost, the good of your church and of course for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to uh, tuck into this psalm. Before we do, I just thought I'd begin with a question for us all. Uh, What are you aiming at this year? It's a new year. We're two days in. Uh, What plans have you made? Uh, Perhaps like a number of people I've been chatting with, given the way we finished 2021, perhaps you've just stumbled around the corner in a a bit of a daze. It's 2022. Uh, And you haven't made, or perhaps you aren't even planning to make New Year's resolutions or, or plans only to have them disrupted again for the hundredth time. It wears you out, doesn't it? See, how can we flourish and prosper in a new year that doesn't look like it's going to be too different from the last one? The quote from a character uh, in a book called Purity uh, that Jonathan Franz wrote uh, hints at what a flourishing life might be. Oh, to have... A job you liked, a mate you trusted, a child who loved you, a purpose in life. How many of those can you tick, I wonder? In an article that he wrote called The Bible and Human Flourishing, a friend of mine, Keith Condy, asks, are these not a glimpse into the longings that inhabit our hearts as human beings? For what a flourishing life might be. If you look up the word to flourish in the Oxford Dictionary, one of the definitions is this. To grow or develop in a healthy 
or vigorous way, especially as a result of one's environment. In his article, Keith Condy goes on to say this, I cannot isolate what is good for me from the web of relationships I belong to and the responsibilities I have because of them. The key part of this environment that affects so much whether or not we'll flourish are the people around us, our relationships. Which brings us to God's beautiful vision for human flourishing. The biblical vision for human flourishing is of a truly wonderful state of affairs where people's needs are being met, their gifts used for the good of others, and they enjoy fullness of life with God, each other, and the rest of the created world. As we heard from Psalm 1, God's purpose for people is a flourishing or blessed life, like a healthy fruit-bearing tree. Just to step back a minute uh, and consider the book of the Psalms, they're really unlike any other book in the Bible. Because they are 150 God-inspired prayers. Prayers prayed by God's King and his people to God. We're taught how to pray in lots of places in the Bible, aren't we? But here we have 150 prayers to God. But also, they're God's word that he's given back to us. Given for us to pray to God for any and every season of life. And so when we don't know what to pray, the Psalms give voice to the cries of our, our heart, the, our deepest yearnings. They put words to our feelings. Whether, whether those feelings are anger or frustration or fear or despair or overwhelming guilt because of sin. The Psalms lead us to God, and the way they do that is they lead us to God's King, to Christ, to Jesus. You see, as we say and sing and pray the Psalms, they show us Jesus. Just have a, just have a think. As you sit and, and I hope read a Psalm a day this year, just remember that Jesus, from a lad, prayed and sung these Psalms every day. But more than that, he embodied them. He sang these psalms that were about him, that he fulfills for us. You see, the psalms teach us that the secret to a flourishing, blessed and prospering life comes as we join ourselves to God's King, Jesus, and his people. And so, you know, how wise it is that Matt decided to start the year with Psalms 1 and 2. These two psalms, many of us know, they're the gateway into the psalms. Just as good words from good leaders lead to a good life, so Psalm 1 introduces the good rule of God's good word. Closely followed by Psalm 2, introducing God's good ruler or leader. Matt's going to uh, spend a bit more time unpacking Psalm 2 next week. And so Psalm 1, God's word is God's good rule for us. I should say there's an outline you can download. And it begins with that beautiful word, blessed. Blessed is. Psalm 1 declares a blessing to open. The God of the Bible, the God we meet in the Bible, his purpose always is to bless and prosper humanity. And so we read verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, 
or stand in the way with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, verse 6. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Now, I'm sure all of us have lived long enough to know just how quickly bad company and bad words can influence us, can lead us astray and even corrupt us. And so in every posture of life, whether we're walking, standing or sitting, this blessed righteous person, they will be wary and wise of the company they keep. Wary and wise of the counsel of the foolish and the godless or unbelieving in the world. Experiencing blessing from God, it's the fruit of the company you keep and whose word you are delighting in. We bump into two words, two groups of people and two destinations in this psalm. The two ways. This blessed by God righteous person, they show us God's way. They meditate day and night, which just means continually, on God's word. The biblical idea of meditation is not some silent retreat or re reflective quiet time. It's vocal, it's de declarative. It's, it's like, you know, rolling a gummy bear or a chubba chubba around your mouth. It's, it's, it's rolling God's word around your mouth, but it's speaking it. This blessed by God righteous person doesn't just delight in God's word, but shares their delight with the world around them. And you don't get too far into the Psalms where we hear God's righteous king calling, calling people to come join him, praise God with him. And what's the promise there in verse 3 for us? Well, that blessed one is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Now, it's summer. Who's putting more water on their garden? More water on their fruit trees. Um, I've started watering my lawn, even though it's cooch, and guess what? It's greener. <laughs> After 15 years of living in Brighton, we moved down to have the joy of uh, starting this church with many of you. Five months ago, Gita and I thought, well, we're still young enough to have a new adventure. Let's move further south and hopefully be part of starting another church like this one down that way sometime. Not as a designated planters, just letting you know. Um, but we moved to Aldinga Beach and the previous owners, to help sell the house, they'd planted these beautiful, um, uh, uh, well, I guess, flowering plum trees, three of them up the back uh, to sort of help hide, you know, the neighbours at the back. And when we saw the house, they were flowering, it was great. Uh, we bought the house and then finally when we moved in, they were just these three sticks of wood <laughs> that looked dead. Uh, and, we, and we thought they were dead. We started watering, Not, nothing. And then... We were just about to pull them out and notice one bud. And we thought, okay, let's just try more fertiliser, more water. And then, again, nothing for like four weeks. And then suddenly, bang! And they started flowering and budding. They've grown half a metre and this is what they look like. And I guess it's a metaphor, it's an analogy of what happens, not just when we water our garden, <laughs> but when we actually plant our lives in the good word, the good water, of God. And that's really what's on view here, this, this analogy. And so what is the fruit of a righteous person who's flourishing, who's, who's planted themselves um, 
near this stream of living water. Well, contrary to what some churches are preaching, this flourishing, this prospering, it's not a guarantee of material wealth or of a long life or an illness-free good health. It's actually the fruit of God-like character, of Christ-like character. Thanksgiving in plenty and in famine. Steadfast faith in seasons of hardship and doubt. Patience in suffering. Peace in turmoil. Mercy and forgiveness when wronged. Gentleness and kindness when falsely accused. Self-control in temptation. Prayer in all seasons. And the beautiful promise there in verses 5 and 6 is that when we die, we will be welcomed by Jesus and find ourselves standing not just with Jesus, but standing among and with his people, his congregation, enjoying resurrection life. But there's a warning, isn't there? Not so the wicked, verses 4 and 5, and the second half of verse 6. It's not going to go well for those who live their lives standing against God, trying to live independently of God. Not so the wicked, we read. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. At Brighton, I spent a good number of years getting rid of all the cooch, so we had no grass to mow. Gave them mow to poor white. And inherited this big, beautiful cooch lawn. You know when you grow a lawn, I mean, you get the blower out. You know, the grass is actually attached to the grass. It's got roots, it doesn't blow away. You mow the lawn and... I've got a mulching mower, you know, there's all this grass, you know, cuttings around and you get the mower out and you blow it away. And again, it's just an analogy, it's a reminder, a simple reminder of to not have your roots in God is to be rootless, it's to be like chaff. When Jesus returns, just the unbelieving will be blown away like chaff. Away from God, away from the presence of God and his people. Psalm 1 reminds us what all the Bible teaches. There are two ways, two walks, two words we can be living. And each way, each walk, each word has two very different futures. The righteous will be with God, the wicked will not. But here's where we run into a bit of a conundrum. Who then is this righteous, blessed one in Psalm 1? I mean, we want it to be us. I want it to be me and my loved ones. I'm sure you want it to be you and and your loved ones. And the good news is, so does God. But consistently, the Bible teaches us that no one is righteous, not even one. And so quoting Psalms 14 and 53, the Apostle Paul writes towards the end of chapter 3 in Romans, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. And so if there is no one righteous before God... What hope for any of us to be this righteous, blessed person of Psalm 1? Who then is this righteous, blessed person of Psalm 1? Well, it's God's rebellion-crushing good ruler of Psalm 2. In the Bible, as in history, there is only, has only ever been, and will only, will only ever be, one blessed man who perfectly obeyed and delighted in God's law with all his heart, mind and soul, Jesus Of course, the Bible teaches us that it's because of the sinlessness of Jesus Christ that Jesus was qualified to die for us, to be sin for us, to pay sin's wages in our place on his cross. 
And just a couple of examples again from the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again from Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. See, it's like Jesus alone has scored the perfect atar. He alone is qualified to save us, and he did, by his perfect sinless obedient life and sin-atoning sacrifice in our place on his cross for all of God's anger and judgment that you and I deserve poured out on Jesus instead of us. And this is why the New Testament writers go to such great lengths to say that Christ Jesus is the righteous man of Psalm 1. It's why the Psalms are the most quoted of all Old Testament books in the New Testament. Because they show us Jesus. And so, for example, again from 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that's us, that Jesus might bring us to God. And so the first key principle for us as we begin our journey reading the Psalms this year is that before the law and the Psalms and the prophets are about us, they are about Jesus, who alone perfectly fulfills God's law for us on our behalf. It's why Jesus said to his disciples after he'd risen from the dead in Luke 24, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled or accomplished. It's why his last words on the cross was, it is finished. The cross, he finished, accomplished, fulfilled all that God's work he'd given to him. And so here's, here's, here's the... The logical conclusion, if Jesus is the Psalm 1 blessed righteous man, then blessing comes to us through God's king of blessing. It's what make Jesus, it's, it, 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 this is what makes Jesus the standout, so beautiful, so glorious, when you line up all the other religious founders and philosophies that are out there. He alone is this blessed righteous man through whom blessing comes to us and so it's as we join ourselves to God's king by faith in Jesus so we are promised every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus it's why the apostle Paul opens so enthusiastically his letter to the Ephesians praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ so to say and sing Psalm 1 as a Christian is to join with Jesus, but affirm Jesus. He is this blessed righteous one. He is the tree of Psalm 1. And as Paul alludes to in Romans 9 to 11, as Gentiles, we have been grafted into this tree by faith in him. As we turn to Jesus, put our trust in him, this is how we join with Jesus and enter into this blessing. And this is why Psalm 2 finishes as Psalm 1 begins. Did you notice that? With that word, blessed. A promise of blessing 
For any who will be wise and take refuge in God's good ruler. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The result of, of fruit by joining up with Jesus, well, it's, that it's Christ's righteousness, all of it. It's credited to us. For any who have joined themselves to Jesus, God looks at that person and just sees the perfect, sinless righteousness of Jesus forever. What is the fruit of living each day clothed in the sinless righteousness of Christ? Well, it's just to live with this beautiful peace and assurance that whatever happens in 2022, whatever the world throws at you, at us, what really matters about today and tomorrow, about the future, God's already got it sorted. He's got it covered for us. For any who stand with, who have joined themselves to Jesus and with his people. This Christ-centred Christian reading of Psalm 1, it will guard us against a try-harder moralism. It, it will rouse in us awe and wonder. For Jesus, God's righteous man, stir in us not a try-harder attitude, but trust Jesus more. Not guilt, but gratitude. Hearts overflowing with thankfulness and praise for our King and our God. And so we finish with the same question. How do we flourish and grow like a tree, like a well-watered tree, <laughs> I should say, in 2022? Well, Psalms 1 and 2, they're beautiful songs of salvation that not only take us to God's king of blessing, but they remind us to keep listening to God's king, listening to his word, to keep coming to him, to his word, take refuge, to know the goodness of shelter under his wings, to know the goodness of the victory of his cross over sin, death and evil. And the sure hope of his resurrection. Now, I don't want to discourage us from making New Year's resolutions. But for the Christian whose trust and hope is in Jesus, the gospel way to life and blessing and flourishing in 2022 is not guilt. It's not try harder. It's God's grace and trust Jesus more. While resolve is important, flourishing in 2022 will be brought about by God's spirit through God's word as we keep joining ourselves to Jesus and his people more and more, prayerfully digging deeper into God's word to be increasingly overwhelmed by just how beautiful and good and glorious Jesus is. And so two recommends to help us to do this as we get into the Psalms is Christopher Ash. Uh, there's two volumes. Uh, the second one will take you through each Psalm. The first one will just spend time helping us to see how to actually find Christ in all the Psalms. And then Dane Ortland's Psalm devotional that I gave to everyone in my family this year, In the Lord I Take Refuge, uh, a beautiful, punchy, but Christ-centred look at every Psalm as well. But I want to finish with this, that whatever might be around the corner for us in 2022, whether it's a battle with cancer, death of loved ones, relationship breakdowns, the consequence of sinful or foolish decisions, insurmountable trials at work or at school or at uni, being made redundant. Or maybe it's just going to be a new, more dangerous COVID variant. But we're reminded from Romans chapter 15, verse 4, that for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. 
and someone who really knew about this is Corey Ten Boom, a uh, survivor of World War II. She said this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And that's all we have in Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for this beautiful uh, introduction to the Psalms, but reminder that you, Jesus, are this blessed one, the righteous one. And as we join ourselves to you continually by faith, so every spiritual blessing becomes ours. Uh, Thank you for the gift of your righteousness that covers over our sin. Uh, Please help us to uh, head into this year, whatever happens, that we would just keep turning and trusting in you and the goodness of your word, knowing that you, you have taken care of the future. We are saved and safe and secure. And that whenever we do die, we know that you will be there to welcome us. In Jesus' name, amen.